3: Oh, it's Mondays with Mikey and Murph. It's Monday Mike football. It's almost the end of the season. It's One of the last times you're gonna hear me attempt to sing. And one of the last times you'll see Murph do his dancing. But hey, we're here forever, trust me. It's Monday Mike football. Denver Broncos coming to town. It might be the end all. I don't know what to do. I'm feeling kind of blue. How about you? Murph, it's almost Christmas time. Are you ready to sip on the wine? Merry Christmas, Raider Nation, from Murph itself. He's my best friend. It's Mondays with Mikey and Murph. We talking Raiders and football dirt because it's a new Raider talk show. We have good times. Let's go. It's Mondays with Mikey and Murph. Woo. Here we are, Murph, again. This is episode 22 and it's Christmas time.
4: It sure is. What is up, Raider Nation? What's up, Mikey? Glad to be back here on Mondays with Mikey and Murph on a Friday and uh, celebrating uh, the Christmas season, the winter spirit, as we uh, close down another uh, NFL football season. The uh, So far, the second worst in Raiders history.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Normally, I get depressed around Christmas time because I don't got no girlfriends. You know, I don't got a lot of family. But now I'm actually happy during christmas time why because the season's uh, this debauchery is almost over <laughs> i'm kind of excited
4: you know it's like if you sit there and hit your head in the uh, hit yourself in the head with a hammer for a long time eventually when you stop it kind of feels good
3: I, I don't think ever hitting myself with a hammer will feel good when i stop
4: i mean but, but that's kind of like watching raiders uh, games this year it's like hitting yourself in the head with a hammer and so when it's finally over it's like oh wow it feels kind of good you know what? We're going to do that for next season, and we'll talk about that on next week's show. Okay. I'm going to
3: buy a hammer and name, her it, name it Gruden. <laughs> I'm just i am just going to sit there and hammer there myself, you. and it's going to be called Gruden. Hit me in the head with a hammer. There you go. So there you go. You created a new thing for this show, the Gruden Hammer. The Gruden so Hammer. So every time, every time I get mad at Gruden, I can hit myself with the Gruden Hammer. <laughs>
4: there you go.
3: There you go. Well, check it out. This is Monday Mike football. That's right. The return to Monday Mike football with Mondays with Mike and Murph. Every Monday night game that the Raiders will play, we will have Monday Mike football. The name was given to me by the absolute famous Murph himself. He named these episodes Monday Mike football. So guess what? The Denver Broncos are coming to town. It's a rivalry, and it might be the last game in Oakland. We are going to talk about it. But Murph, first off, let's get to the promos and the selling points. First off, I want to say thank Dead Pirate Sports. They sent me a few little goodies. This is a little mask that I could put on. They sent me like a little air fresheners because I stink AF. They sent me a (laughs) keychain so I can get back into my heart and my home. And then they sent me a Raiders flag. And I want to thank Jeff at DeadPirateSports.com. Link will be below. Thank you for supporting Mondays with Mike and Murph. Thank you for supporting Murph on his fan channel. So Murph, tell them about your channel because they're going to need some content coming up.
4: Yeah, so you can find us uh, at youtube.com slash Murph's Fan Cave, and I do episodes of Raiders Fan Radio, which is our flagship podcast. I do that with my Uncle Mosh, and we do that every Wednesday, including this Wednesday, and normally we broadcast at night. We're actually going to do a morning show. We're going to do a uh, uh, Coffee with Raider Nation, so look for us uh, this Wednesday morning. That's the day after Christmas, and uh, so you can find us, uh, once again, youtube.com slash Murph's Fan Cave. Please hit that subscribe button, and thank you for for supporting our show. And you can also find us on any podcast service for the audio only podcast. Just look for Murph's FanCave. That's M-U-R-F-S fan cave on any uh podcast service.
3: I promise you, all links are below. So get off your butt, copy and paste it into your browser and get on top of that Raider Nation because they do excellent work and Thank I'm you. very proud to be associated with all of them. And guess what? Today's a Friday. Some of you guys are going, what the heck is going on? It's a Friday night, and we're getting a Mondays with Mike and Murph. That don't make no sense. It don't make no sense. Well, Mikey's been sick, so Mikey had to take a week off. And also, the game is going to be played on Monday. And I got some plans for that day for the final Monday game in Oakland, and I want to have the show to you as early as possible and get hyped for it. So that's why you're getting Mondays with Mike and Murph on Friday Night Live, basically. All right, let's jump right into it. We got a few good storylines to get into. And hopefully Murph does not get uppity in this (laughs) quick feelings on the Bengals loss that we just had.
4: Yeah, that was a terrible, terrible game, and especially coming on the heels of a huge win against the hated Pittsburgh Steelers. So to follow that up with a debacle uh, like we had in in Cincinnati, pretty ugly. A couple of bright points, though, at least Darren Waller, kind of came out of nowhere, and uh, I'm looking forward to see what this young man can do in the silver and black going forward.
3: Yeah, I agree. It was a bad loss to the Bengals, especially off the victories and all that other stuff. But, you know, it is what it is, and we didn't really get a game pre- uh, review last week. So let's go into the first headline of the day. The Raiders and the NFL are being sued by the city of Oakland. Uh Basically, for money, about $200 million because of Mount Davis, and also because they believe it's an illegal move to Las Vegas. Your thoughts on this lawsuit? Is it legit in any fashion? And um, do you agree? Do you believe it's malicious and unwarranted like Mark Davis claims? What are your thoughts on this lawsuit, Murph?
4: Yeah, I 100% think that it's malicious. And when you look at the history of the city attorney of the city of Oakland and you look at the people that are behind this, including two third-party firms that have been hired to sue the Raiders and the other 31 teams in the NFL. This is absolutely a cash grab. This is absolutely, uh, you know, sour grapes. And I had a, a, a fantastic columnist for the San Francisco Chronicle who covers Oakland and the East Bay, Kimberly Vekerlov And she's not a sports writer. She is a, a, a financial analyst and a, an economist and whatnot and, and, a, and just a reporter on that area. And, you know, by all accounts, an expert, and that's what her position was is that this was not this is not trying to reclaim anything as far as terms of rights or uh, in terms of keeping the team there. This is all just looking for a payday as the raiders are on their way out of town. That's all that this thing is and it's and it's sad it's sad that it's that it's gone down this way i mean um you know the the firms that have been hired and this city attorney have made a career out of suing big businesses uh you know, and I'm not necessarily even opposed to suing big business should it be called for in, in terms of companies like Monsanto or whatever. But that's not what the NF this is the NFL, this is what this, the Raiders, this is not what, uh, this is not one of those big evil empire type companies. So I think that this thing is, is absolutely misguided and the whole idea that it's antitrust, I mean, I got into a full breakdown of Raiders fan radio. You guys can find it there, so I won't get into the weeds on it. But just uh, just know this, antitrust is something that gets put in place to prevent companies from aligning together in order to fix prices in a market. That's not what this thing is. So this is an absolute stretch at best in terms of what antitrust is. And so this thing is going to go nowhere. They're probably going to settle out of court for some type of figure. And, uh, you know, then that's it. And then so, you know, the Raiders are going to move on because I promise you this, they're not going to play in the Oakland Coliseum again after this.
3: Pretty interesting how they're being sued. But um, the city of Oakland is also suing, they believe, because they were – They promised Mount Davis to make money, that area that's always been closed off for the Raiders. And they believe Mark Davis is trying to leave town without, you know, making up that money that the city of Oakland paid to rebuild Mount Davis and other facilities. And they kind of feel that Mark Davis is trying to skip out of town without paying that bill. So, I mean, that's another interesting subject to it. So that seems like a legit concern from my end I do remember when Al Davis came back to Oakland, Oakland promised that they were going to build that in returns for PSL money and all that, and then the Raiders didn't provide a winning product, so the money got less. They closed out Mount Davis, the place where players sit, and then the money just never appeared because the Raiders didn't have a winning product on the field. So now that the city of Oakland is being scorned by the Raiders in a move, where they feel that Mark Davis did not want to stay in Oakland. They're just like, you know what? You owe us money.
4: You know yeah. for, for what we did. The thing that's funny about that, and I asked Kimberly that question about that because the Raiders are getting sued based on future revenue losses. The, the city of Oakland is saying we're going to miss out on future revenue of the team, but yet they say that they've lost money on Mount Davis, yet they say that they don't make money on game day because they have to provide law enforcement and whatnot. They have to provide the infrastructure for the team to play on game day. So it's, and I asked her that, I'm like, so which one is it? She said, well, we really don't know because we've never gotten a clear answer. So you know, this is. This is the tactics of the city of Oakland. It's a lot of smoke and mirrors. It's a lot of uh, misinformation. It's a lot of misdirection, you know, when you, when you think of it in those terms. And so, you know, it's, it's I promise you, all it is is that it's, it's sour grapes. That's all this is. They are looking for a payday knowing that the Raiders are gone. There is no hope to keep the Raiders in Oakland. They're leaving, so they're going to make a last-ditch effort to milk every penny out of the team that they possibly can.
3: Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Also, it's a pro bono case, which and then most of the time I mean, these cases literally don't go through to the end. So it's yeah, kind of unless, a last ditch
4: effort. Yeah, unless they get countersued, and pro bono meaning that the city of Oakland doesn't pay anything for retaining these two other law firms. But if they get countersued by the NFL, that's not covered under pro bono. So now all of a sudden the city of Oakland is going to have to look to pay these these fees for these attorneys. So it's just. It's goofy, man. It's none of this makes sense at all. Like I said, it really is petty. It truly is petty when you look at the way that this thing is is broken down. That you know, look, the Raiders are leaving, so move on. You know what I mean? Ultimately move on and I'm not sure how much it's going to cost the city to you know to put all this stuff in place because you got to pay your city attorney you got to pay you know there still is a, a cost involved to 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 uh you, you know to file these types of things even though you're not paying these third party firms there's still a cost involved so at what point do you just just move on do you just look it's it's over it's like a bad breakup man sometimes it's just over it's better to just move on with your life
3: yeah I mean I couldn't agree there's many variables on the situation. I want it to be over and done with, but it looks like a fight that might continue between both parties for the foreseeable future, or at least till they're officially out of town. And this might summarize that and they might be completely out of town. Um, news just came out that they might play in the A stadium a couple hours ago of the, uh, so I don't know. What do you think? Where are they going to play? Angels? You mean the angel stadium? No, I I I thought it was the A's in San Francisco, a baseball stadium oh, the that they have there, Gi- possibly the Giants. But it was a baseball stadium in San Francisco. Yeah,
4: that's the Giants. The A's are the A's and the Raiders are already playing the same stadium. I, yeah,
3: I apologize about yeah. that. Yeah. Then there was news that there's a, a report that it's a possibility to play on another baseball field at yeah. Giants Stadium.
4: Yeah, I've, I've, and I've heard Angel Stadium. I've heard. I mean, at this point, I mean, you hit the rundown. Just off the top of my head, those two baseball stadiums, Sam Boyd in Vegas, uh, Arizona with the Cardinals, San Antonio at the Alamo Dome, Qualcomm Stadium, Cal, Stanford, Levi's Stadium, uh think that might be it, but yeah, there's, I mean, there's been so many different venues that have been thrown out. I think at this point, literally, who knows where are they going to play? Heck, and we've, uh, uh, and here's the other option. They could be nomads and play a road schedule and play London, Mexico City, and wherever else. Just, you know, and not, and frankly, not dissimilar what the Saints did when uh, Katrina hit the Superdome. I know the Saints played home games at like MetLife Stadium in New York. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, sometimes the teams will just play wherever they need to. And so I I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility for the Raiders.
3: Yeah, we're actually going to get into that, too, a little bit more in the game preview. But it's a scary thought, man. This all hurts my soul. And it feels like it's coming to a close. And speaking of coming to a close, uh, NFL Pro Bowl, basically, they shut out Jared Cook, Rodney Hudson. They were snubbed. I mean, is this fair or foul? And is this proof that it's an NFL popularity rating system in the Pro Bowl? Your thoughts on Jared Cook and um – Rodney Hudson being snubbed when I clearly believe they deserve to get in.
4: Yeah, the numbers prove that absolutely they they need to get in. You know, when you look at Kelsey and then where uh, Jared Cook fits in against his numbers and is ahead of Eric Ebron, then absolutely that's a snub. And then Rodney Hudson was passed up by both Pouncey brothers, uh, Mike and, and Marquise from uh, Pittsburgh and Miami and yeah by all accounts he has better statistical numbers and, and really a better pro football focus rating than either of those two guys and so you know this is just a, another case where the Raiders are you know looked down upon by the you know by the media that votes these things in I believe it's the sports writers right they're looked down on they're they're really it's it's uh, you know an us against the world it always has been and we've always gotten jobbed on these kinds of things unless they're absolutely undeniable and when your record is 3-11 you know how undeniable are you you know so it's, un- it's unfortunate but yes absolutely these two guys got passed over and especially Rodney Hudson man like I, there's like there is by all accounts he is arguably the best center in all of football and might be one of the best centers in all of football over the past I don't know since Jeff Saturday retired like I mean you know what I mean like Rodney Hudson is amazing you know Jared Cook is, is, is having a great season but Rodney Hudson is phenomenal like he's an elite player at his position so the fact that he's passed up is ridiculous
3: yeah i have the ratings here and i showed them on screen when you were talking about it travis kelsey from pro football focus is 88.8 number one george kittle at 87.6 is number two and jared cook is third at 77.3 even above gronkowski ertz and ebron as well so that's definitely proof that this is a popularity contest for the nfl ratings they want popular players voted by the fans because the pro bowl sucks and they want that's the ratings the from the fans.
4: And that's the truth too. And that's where like, you know, as much as it sucks that our players got passed over, look, the pro bowl is awful. There's the, there's not a bigger NFL fan than I am. I watch and consume every bit of it that I possibly can uh, sometimes too much, frankly. And, yeah. and I barely watch the pro bowl. I don't, uh, there's nothing the most interesting thing that happened last year were drew Bree's kids fighting each other on the sidelines you know what I mean like they it's they there's just not very fun to watch because there's no um uh, you know there's it's anticlimactic there's nothing to it there's absolutely nothing to it. At least the all-star game in baseball comes in the middle point of the season. And back when I was a kid, you never got to see those uh, leagues play each other unless it was a World Series. So there was a it was a big deal. It was a big deal to watch the all-star game. It was a big deal to have one of your A's players or, in your case, a Dodger make it. You know, it was a big deal to have that happen. Nowadays... Eh, any of these all-star games are are kind of a letdown. In fact, out of anything, the NBA and the NHL all-star games uh, are the better of the leagues, and that's only because of their skills competitions. The skills competitions are fantastic in the NBA and in the NHL. So I don't know. I don't know what NFL has to do to get this thing rectified, but I'm with you, Mikey. It's a terrible watch. It's not a good product at all.
3: Yeah, they're, they're worried about too many injuries, but there is one place you can get a good Pro Bowl. It's, it's on Madden.
5: <laughs> you, know, you get
3: a great Pro Bowl on Madden. You get to play with all the popular players. It's freaking fantastic. So that's what they should do. They should just have Madden competitions and, you know, a bunch of stuff like that, drinking competitions. <laughs> you know, let's see how drunk Drew Brees can get. You know, Tom Brady claims to be a big drinker. There's videos out him or cartoon animations of him getting drunk with the Patriots. So, Let's do it. Let's do something different. I don't know. That's my thoughts. (laughs) All right. Back to my Gruden hatred. Uh, John Gruden apparently is looking to restart failed quarterback Nathan Peterman's career with the Raiders. Okay. The question I ask is, is this a smart move or what for John Gruden and the Raiders and your thoughts on it?
4: Uh, yeah, this is a what move. Look this. Uh, don't act brand new Raider nation. When I tell you that I'm not talking to you, Mikey, I'm talking to who? The proverbial you. That's right. So, you know, look, we've done this. Oh my this. God. Is, is that the, the, the yeah. picture yeah. that they printed for you that says proverbial? Uh-huh. That comes courtesy of our buddy, just Win Johnny and uh hieroglyphics look him up on, uh, on Instagram. Yeah. That's his logo that he sent to us the other day. Isn't that cool? And that's the proverbial you. <laughs>
3: I love it. I think it was, I saved it. I got to show it to Raider Nation. Right? Yeah,
4: yeah. Put that. Put the proverbial U up there. Yeah, it's fantastic. Anyway, so he and he sent this update. One's got the Raider Super Bowl ring on it, which is really cool on the knuckle there. Um, it was kind of funny. He said I would send it with all the Raider Super Bowl rings, but it would it'll be too many to fit on the hand. I'm like, right on. Um, <laughs> but but um, uh, what are we talking about? <laughs> uh, Nathan, Peterman. Oh, Nathan Peterman. All right. So we've done this numerous times. I mean, Jim Plunkett was a reclamation project. Rich Gannon was a reclamation project. We've had a, an entire history of reclamation projects from Rodney Pete to Dante Culpepper. I mean, and they don't always work out, but we've done this a lot in uh, in the history of the organization. So this is another case of that. And, and not only is it that, but this is somebody that Gruden was high on and coming out of college and okay. Um, but the most important part of this, and this is the stuff that they'll leave out on ESPN, is that he's coming in to run the scout team because A.J. McCarron is at the hospital with his wife giving birth to their child. So he's not there to run the scout team. So they bring in Peterman and are they going to give him a shot? Sure. Just like they gave Christian Hackenberg a shot. Just like they give Matt Leinert a shot once upon a time. You know what I mean? So this is not like a big... This is the stuff that that Raider Nation, y'all get wound up about this because mainstream media puts this stuff in your head that this is like, oh, this is not Derek Carr's on his way out. No, he's not. Quit it with that and quit listening and quit paying attention to those people uh, on, on ESPN. Quit listening to Stephen A and listen to Jerry McDonald. That's that, that he will somebody like that, Jerry, Matt Schneidman, uh, you've, you know, Steve Corcoran, those are the guys. Pay attention to them. They'll give you the actuality of it. And the actuality of it is that this is nothing but somebody to come in and run reps at, uh, at Scout Team while McCarron is, is off, you know, celebrating the birth of his child.
3: All right, let me give a few thoughts where I completely disagree with your statement. Uh, and the question was, is it a smart move or what? I believe it's a ridiculous move for John Gruden and the Raiders because there's so much bad press already this entire season. They there's don't so much- care. I, I don't care about that. And I'm talking about the proverbial meat. so let's do this. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, John Gruden, all eyes are upon him. And this is another questionable move in terms of the press, the media, and whatever. And this, in my opinion, is another egotistical move by John Gruden wanting to prove he's a great coach. And he's also doing this, in my opinion, to save money next season. A.J. McCarron is apparently due $3 million, uh if he's on the team next year. So Nathan Peterman can be, I guess, the backup at least going into camp, he'll, he'll have a cheaper contract. Gruden can maybe coach him up and, and, you know, maybe feed his ego and create a decent rich Gannon backup quarterback or whatever to Gruden. But Gruden doesn't care about what the fans think, what the press thinks and all that. And I wish he would, it looks like a bad face value decision at the end of the year, again, it ain't a battle against Derek Carr, but also will Derek Carr be sit down? I mean, those are questions you got to ask yourself. Did you say, all, I don't know what's
4: going you, on? Did you say all this when we signed Josh Johnson earlier? But this that's, year? yeah, you brought up another good point. Why would he bring on Nathan Peterman? Did, did not answer my question. I'm being serious.
3: Did you ask? No, like, I said I did not. I'm right, talking why not? about Peterman. Why not? When he signed Josh Johnson? Yeah, why not? Because. Because Gruden at that point didn't trade Khalil Mack,
4: didn't trade Amari Cooper. What does that have to do with quarterback?
3: Didn't bring in that other quarterback, Christian Hackenberg. Josh is, Johnson was there before all, all right. these decisions.
4: Or well, did you did you were you fired up like this when he signed when they signed Christian Hackenberg?
3: Like I said, Gruden had not what? made all these bad decisions. And what does it matter? What does any of that have to do with quarterback? I'm telling you. And then AJ McCarron is supposedly delivering a baby. Remember the running back Carlos Hyde? He left for a day. Came back to the team. Why is A.J. McCarron not back? Why does he get the subtlety to stay with his wife for a week or two? And then why do they bring He's on Carlos not staying with Carlos? his wife for a week
4: or two, Mikey. Settled. You're talking about a few days during the week, man. These guys are human beings still, dude. It's not but a But I know. Deal. I'm just
3: saying Carlos Hyde and a couple other players, I don't remember them taking like three days off before a game. I don't remember that. So I'm just saying. It just looks weird to me. It's just a weird decision. Why didn't they bring back EJ Manuel, who knows the system at least from camp? Why didn't they bring back, you know, somebody else, maybe a Connor Cook if he's available, if whatever? Why did they bring back somebody to resurrect? It's just interesting, me, and I think it's a bad move. Uh, all right, do you mind playing the expert's opinion on the Nathan Peterman uh signing? I think it's audio clip number two, brother. Okay.
1: ...his opinion on this whole ordeal. I really thought he was gone.
5: <laughs> you thought Forever. he was gone away.
1: I said this nope. yesterday. I felt like, you know, when you go and put something on the corner of the street, it's like you're trash. and then you <laughs> wow. wait for other people to pick Man. up your trash, but somebody else comes and gets it first before the garbage guys get there. That's Man, what happened to going Nathan in. Peterman. In.
5: <laughs> yeah,
4: look, I, I get it. He didn't play well for your bills. Let, let's not disparage the guy. I mean, look, it's not like he's trying to go out there and play bad, and, and unfortunately it hasn't worked out from what he has. I think people are making a big deal about this because John Gruden, what he said back when he was an analyst right. about Nathan Peterman when he was coming out in the draft. It's, he's 24 years old, so he's still young. You're taking a flyer on him. But here's what I cannot stand a couple things. One, when you see the, oh, Colin Kaepernick still unsigned and the oh. Raiders, it's so dumb because they're going to pay him pennies. You know, it's going to be, he's we'll going make a league minimum. Yeah, exactly. We'll make now, minimum. I don't think Colin Kaepernick would have signed if the Raiders would have said, yeah, we'll put you on a roster. He would have said no. So stop the lame narrative of saying that's the case. Yeah. Um. You said just a couple minutes ago, your days are long gone from the NFL. How old are you? Uh, 34. You're 34. So you're getting up there. This would have been one of the signings that if I was a guy, not Colin Kaepernick, if I was anybody and I was like 27, 20, still trying to hang yeah. on. Uh-huh. This would have driven Josh me Johnson, nuts. Josh Johnson, right? Yes. This would have driven me nuts. Gruden likes Nathan Peterman. Yeah, thinks he has a lot of potential. That's probably a lot to do with why he decided to sign him. He wants to take a, a flyer on him and see if maybe he can get him to be the quarterback he thought he should be.
3: So there you go. On screen, I have a picture called Deeper Thoughts. Any deeper thoughts on, on Nathan Peterman or with what you just heard? I think that was a
4: very fair analysis of the situation. I thought that was great. I don't know who that was. I recognize one of the voices in there, but that was perfect. All all of them, except for that girl going on because she's a, a Bills fan. Uh, you know, whatever. And I, I get why she's uh, butthurt about it, but that doesn't have anything to do with the Raiders whatsoever. So, no, as far as the – in terms of the analysis and how it pertains to the Raiders there, yeah, I think that's that was absolutely fair. Yeah, it was um, a quarterback that played for the Raiders. I think he was a UCLA
3: quarterback for the Browns. I don't know why. I should have wrote his name down. but Brady he's on- Quinn? Yeah it was brady quinn he's on cbs yeah. and all that other stuff right now. yeah
4: okay that was the one i recognized i don't know who that other voice was but
3: yeah no i, I that's
4: fine I, that was that was absolutely fair
3: yeah but you know the one guy did question whether other quarterbacks of a younger age um you know why were they not called and that's my thoughts with like ej Manuel. he was with the system it just bothered me a little bit and on screen you can't see it but uh John Gruden did the Nathan Peterman, excuse me, Nathan Peterman quarterback camp. And on screen, you have a picture of Kelvin Benjamin working with Nathan Peterman. Kelvin Benjamin was available. And John Gruden brought him into the quarterback camp and spoke very highly of Kelvin Benjamin and said he's one of the best uh, red zone wide receivers in the league. And then John Gruden didn't even take a flyer on him on waivers two weeks ago. So it's just weird to me. It's just like Gruden is a personality on TV, and now I think he wants to prove his personality, you know, from the quarterback camp and all that other stuff from the draft. I think he wants to prove it by signing some of these players and making them into a star so he could tell the public, see, I told you so. So it just bothers me. That's my final thoughts on that subject. Where it's like, yeah, I don't know. I love it. Okay, Derek Carr is having a fantastic season. He is approaching an NFL record for most completions in his first five seasons as a quarterback. The record currently is held by Peyton Manning at 1,750 completions. Derek Carr, as of right now, has 1,716. He needs 34 more completions in the next two games to pass Peyton Manning For the record, he's also on pace for the highest number of Raider quarterback completion at 69% in the season. So I ask of you: uh, Will first off, will he break the record, and is he our franchise quarterback for the future?
4: Uh, yeah, I think he can break the record. I mean, uh, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, but I, yeah, absolutely. On the, considering the pace that he's been on in the offense and how it's working now and the working into the the high completion percentage, yeah. And then they answer your question about is he our French? Yes, absolutely. And I've, you know, I've 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 made that point numerous times on, on this show and others that is he an elite quarterback yet? No. Do I think that he's got the potential to be? Yes, absolutely. Uh, When properly equipped with weapons around him. And, you know, the numbers this year tell you that, you know, when you look at uh, whether he's a top 10 quarterback or not. uh, Next
3: year. Next year. What do you mean? Yeah, you can't see it on screen, but uh, the question is, is he a top
4: 10 quarterback next year? Oh yeah, absolutely. And he's a top 10 quarterback now. You know, when you look at, at the There's two different ways to do it. You could do it by the eye test and the overall success of the team, or you could just really drill down into the numbers. And so when you look at the overall eye test of the team, um, I, I pulled a, a, a rankings poll from uh, CBS Sports, and they have Derek Carr as 20th, okay? So they have Phillip. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck, Deshaun Watson, number six. Okay, that's the, you got to. You get to number six, and you start to lose me a little bit. I'm not sure if I'd put Deshaun Watson ahead of ahead of Carr. Then Big Ben, Tom Roth, uh, Tom Brady, Jared Goff, Aaron Rodgers, Baker Mayfield, uh, Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, Trubisky, Foles, Prescott, Allen, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, and then you get to Derek Carr at number twenty. Now, so obviously there's about six or seven names on this thing easily that you could replace with Derek Carr. So the idea to put him as the 20th best quarterback in the league, I think is uh, an absolute mistake. And so when you look at the numbers, Mikey, what do the numbers tell us when in terms of yards, he's number 10 in the league right now in yards. And when you look at the names on this list, and I will, I know this, we got to keep this short, but just follow me for a sec here. But when you look at the names on this list, just in yard totals, It goes Mahomes, Roethlisberger, Ryan, Goff, Brady, Rogers, Luck, Rivers, Cousins, then Derek Carr. And when you look at those quarterbacks that are ahead of Derek Carr and the weapons and the personnel that surround the quarterback, it's a Derek Carr and the Raiders pale in comparison. When you're talking about that, we have one guy, Jared Cook, that's a bona fide, legit, elite target in the league, when these other guys all have two or three of those type players. The worst one is probably Rodgers, or, uh, or excuse me, even Andrew Luck, where you look at Ebron and, uh, you know, Ty Hilton, right? And then after that, it kind of falls off. But heck, that's two. The Raiders don't even have you know, they got one, they don't even have two. Yeah. So my point being is that he's 10th in yards. He's, uh, he, he's an average completion, which everybody likes to rip on him about an average, uh, 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 Average yardage per completion. He's seventh on this list of these 10 guys. uh, And he's absolutely number one in sacks by far, by a long shot, by seven more uh, than Matt Ryan. Uh, And, you know, so when you look at the actual numbers, he's right in there. He absolutely is a top 10 quarterback. Now, is he elite? No. Is he Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers? No, he's not one of those guys yet. But next year, to answer your question, Yes, he is, he is he's a top-ten quarterback. Yes, he's a franchise quarterback. And he's on the precipice of being an elite quarterback. It's just going to be a matter of time once they load up some people around him.
3: Do you think he'll return to MVP form by 20 or maybe during the 2020 season, at least before that or at that time?
4: Brother, he already has. He already has, and that's the other big misnomer is that everybody wants to point to the 2016 year and talk about how great he was in 2016 and will he return and will the Raiders return. He's already at that. When we look at the 2016 numbers, and I got them right here, in 2016 he threw for 3,900 yards, okay? He's thrown for 3,600 already this year, and he's got two more games to go. He threw for 28 touchdowns. Uh, in 2016 and he's got 19 this year so he's off on, on on those there is no doubt but when you look at the amount of times he's been sacked he's been he was sacked 16 times in 2016 he's been sacked 47 times in 2018 so when you look at his numbers his completion percentage is higher than it was it's five points higher than it was that season he's uh, only thrown eight interceptions and he threw six all year in 2016 so he's only just a smidge above that like by all accounts the guys playing just fine he's not the problem he is not the problem with our football team and he is just like rodney hudson and just like jared cook he goes underappreciated because we're three and 11 look our team has a lot of issues we have a lot of holes we have a lot of problems we have a lot of areas to criticize but listen raider nation quarterback is not one of them move on to something else because he is not the problem There it is Murph bringing the stats again. And that's why I love the dude.
3: Uh, I truly believe he is the Raiders franchise quarterback for the foreseeable future. He's starting to understand John Gruden's offense for, you know, what it is. And it is a dink and dunk West coast system type offense. Derek Carr is definitely starting to handle it at the end of the season post his early bad decision-making early on. Um, So he's definitely the Raiders franchise quarterback for the future. Uh, unless Gruden goes off script and starts doing crazy things again, I really see Derek he, Carr working out with the Raiders.
4: He's gonna Come be on. our he's gonna be our all time leader in everything next year. I mean, he's you know Kenny Stabler threw for nineteen th- just over nineteen thousand yards in his career. The Raiders have never had a twenty thousand yard passer. Kenny Kenny threw almost twenty eight thousand in his career, but as a Raider, he threw for just over nineteen thousand, and he's got a hundred and uh, like fifty touchdowns. Carr's got like 122 total touchdowns, and he's thrown for like 18,000 yards or uh, like 18,387 is what I have here. So he feasibly could pass Kenny by the end of the year, but most likely he's going to pass Kenny. uh, Well, actually, it'd be a stretch to get it. It's possible. If he had two monster games, he could catch Kenny this year, but most likely he's going to pass Kenny week one. So of week one of the 2019 season, your all-time passing quarterback for the Raiders is going to be Derek Carr.
3: Awesome. I love it. He already broke a record this season. I think it was by Rich Gannon or whatever. I forget. But uh, I I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback uh, next year or this year. I think he might fall between 15 or between 10 and 15. And do I think he can be MVP caliber by 2020? I really do. Um, You know, he's manning up lately and I really enjoy watching it. So for the Derek Carr haters and all that, keep hating, you know, do what you got to do. But just like Murph honestly said, and I believe him, I don't think Derek Carr is the problem. And um, I'm looking forward to the future with Derek Carr. All right. So uh, John Gruden as a general manager uh, this season, we all know he was the general manager and they just fired Reggie McKenzie. And now we're going to find out who he brings on as the general manager in the coming weeks. So that's why I asked the question, will uh, the new general manager be a patsy like Reggie possibly was under John Gruden? I mean, is John Gruden taking on too many roles? Let's listen to what Greg Papa had to say about this. And I love this take on, I miss Greg Papa. uh, And I love this take. And, I just really want Raider Nation to listen to this. This is Greg Papa on John Gruden as a GM and what he's going to do next.
5: Your thoughts on what Gruden had to say in the firing of Reggie McKenzie? Yeah, he's obviously trying to make it seem like he wasn't involved in any of it. Um, It's, uh, I mean, he's going to be involved in the firing of the GM, and it's going to be a little bit like uh, Kyle Shanahan's role in hiring John Lynch, I would think. I mean, it may even be more hands-on. I I think that that is going to be the critical hire because as much as John may want to do, it's just difficult. He's going to have to have people in the building he trusts. And um, whether or not he got along with Reggie or whether or not they had a, a similar football philosophy, there was a disconnect, reportedly, from the beginning. I'm not going to sit up here today and talk about any disconnect. We were connected. I don't think Reggie would have traded Khalil Mack. Uh, especially when you have him under contract and the ability to franchise tag him once or twice. You could have played hardball with the guy. Uh, it's the best player that probably Reggie will ever draft. Uh, to go ahead and trade him before his rookie contract is up is just uh, inexplicable. It's just how, how would you do that? So John's going to have to bring in uh, a, a lot of people that he trusts. Dave Zano's already in the building. Uh, I, I've talked about Mike Lombardi. I'm trying to go back in John's years where people that he really trusts you have to, you have to have his trust, and you have to have the ability to tell him no, you're wrong. We can't do this. We cannot trade Khalil Mack now. We just cannot. And you're going to have to ride it out, and you're going to have to answer the questions to the media every, you know, Monday and Wednesday and Thursday, and every day you meet the media, which is every day in the NFL. Just about, you're going to have to. We're just not doing that. Uh, it's for the better of the franchise. So he's going to have to have somebody in. I don't know beyond Michael, or if Michael even. Uh, You know, they they got along well here, but he's got other people. Bruce Allen really does not evaluate talent. Bruce Allen's a contract guy. He's an agent. So you've got to get a lot of people there. And I I think of Brad Kaplan and all the people uh, that are on Reggie's staff, Joey, and there's just so many. I mean, there's a lot of people you never heard of. Uh, How does this impact them? Are they they immediately? And the reason you do it now, as I said earlier, is that the college football season is over now. And in between the college games and the championship games and yeah. the before the bowl games start, the draft, the, uh, the scouts come in and they have a meeting. And they go over the whole country and your east coast start and your southeast. And, you know, they've got they've got dozens of people that do this in different areas of the country. You bring them all in and you have a meeting. And if you're determining that uh, the leader of the meeting is not going to be leading the draft board, then you got to let them all know now. So, you know, I don't know how far it goes. You're going to have to keep a lot of those scouts because they've been doing this for a long time. So you're prepared for April. But the, the rebuilding of this franchise, Bonte, is going to be done through the draft in every regard. He had to deconstruct the team, and then he had to reconstruct it. And I, I think we felt as though he had made uh, some draft picks that were good. That one draft, it will go down as one of the best ones in the history of the franchise. But you wind up trading him, and then Amari underachieved. Now Amari's a great player which leads to, you know, why didn't John and this coaching staff get the Amari Cooper that we're seeing dominate the NFL since he left here? Why couldn't he do that here? So um, you're going you're gonna to have to bring in a GM, and John will be involved in it. I'm sure there will be someone that has John's uh, not only blessing, but work with John somewhere else. But who's that guy? I, I don't know. Outside of Michael Lombardi, who has John worked with in the past that he's going to trust to be able to, to really not just help him, But show him. John's a great football coach, a great offensive mind, play designer, play caller. But he's going to have to really nail these draft picks. Otherwise, uh, the next firing is going to be somebody else and not the GM you're hiring.
3: (laughs) Very interesting. Um, Your thoughts. Is John Gruden taking on too many roles? Will the new GM be a patsy like Reggie? I just want to know, know how you address this situation.
4: Yeah, so I don't I don't think that the new GM is going to be a patsy, but I don't think the new GM is be going to be a conventional general manager, though, either. I think that you're going to have some form of football executive slash talent evaluator. And he referred to, you know, Bruce Allen being a, a contract guy like an agent. Well, you know, the, I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily, because if John's going to rely on himself and other people to do the uh, personnel evaluation portion of it, then he's going to need someone like that that's going to be able to handle the contractual side of it because that's not what he's good at. When Reggie was, that was Reggie's strong suit, frankly. And so, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that there's. Uh, I'm not as opposed to this whole thing and uh, the way that. That, that some have, have reacted to it, including Papa. Now, Grant, I think Papa, too, is a whole other thing. He's just been rallying against the Raiders ever since they fired him. And so, you know, but this whole criticism of Gruden, you know, look, it's real easy. It's real easy to point a finger at somebody and say, you suck. I mean, it's really easy to do that people do it all the time and especially in the in the age of the internet in the age of social media it's real easy to look at something and just go well that sucks okay but what's what's hard to do is to seek understanding and to seek a reason why that that maybe things are going the way that they're going and to pretend like you know gruden doesn't know what he's doing that he's just making these wild decisions and he's, and he's trading away Hall of Famers just because and all that. I think that concept and that idea is its not only is it unprofessional, but it's lazy. It's so lazy for Greg Papa to evaluate the team at that level because you truly can't evaluate the impact of these moves and the impact of, of the departure of Reggie McKenzie you know, for like three to five years. You know, like everybody, it drives me nuts every year when you hear people say, oh, who won this year's draft? Nobody won this year's draft because the, you can't tell if somebody won a draft until later on. You know, he referenced the 2014 draft in there and about how that was going to go down as one of the greatest. Yeah, because now look at how far away we are. We're four years from that, so you can look back on it and go, okay, you know, Gabe Jackson was great. Derek Carr is great. Khalil Mack was great. Sure you can, but you can't criticize. You can't make these kind of references and these broad strokes at this point on the short term. Things It just doesn't work like that. So... You know what? I've, I I kind of gave up on Greg Papa a long time ago. Look, I miss him too, Mikey. You let off by saying you miss him. I do too. I miss hearing him call football games. But this whole sour grapes thing that he's got going now against the Raiders and constantly taking opportunities to take shots at him, I don't appreciate it. They're still my favorite team. He was an announcer for my favorite team. You know what I mean? Like, see you, Greg. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't like it. It comes off as yeah, petty. You- well, it's funny. I didn't hear any shots taken
3: in that statement by Greg Papa at all. I didn't personally hear he, any. You, I he heard said him say that he's um, a
4: great He said Amari Cooper, he traded away a guy that was dominating in, in Dallas. And why couldn't John Gruden and his coaching staff find that same player when he was in Oakland? That's a shot. That's absolutely taking a shot at Gruden. And look, we know Amari Cooper can dominate football games. He's been doing it for the Raiders, but he also has a tendency to disappear at times, just like he did for the Cowboys last week. And he's going to continue to do that, and that's not worth 17 million dollars, and that's why you traded him, that's why the Raiders traded him away. So like that but he leaves that stuff out conveniently because it doesn't fit his story. It doesn't fit his narrative. His narrative is that the Raiders don't know what they're doing, and then that's why they're making the decisions that they are. And it's all because he feels feels wronged because they fired him.
3: Well, again, I didn't personally hear any shots. I heard him say he's a great coach that he's possibly taking on too many roles and he needs somebody to basically kind of hold him in check every once in a while. That's what I heard from it. Yes. There were, you know, questions about McKenzie and Cooper. And I could see you say that's taking a shot, but I don't think Greg Papa did anything too bad in that statement. I've done so much more worse (laughs) in my videos. I thought that was actually a very pleasant way for Greg Papa to say, I don't understand what he's doing, why he couldn't get something out of Amari Cooper. And, you know, but he's a great coach, but he needs somebody to hold him in check. So I ask you the final question on this. Okay. Personally, do you think John Gruden – Um, is taking on too many
4: roles in this team. I do. I do. Uh, Despite everything that I just said about it. Yeah, I do. I think there's a case of being a uh, a jack of all trades and a master of none. And John Gruden is a masterful football coach. He's a masterful leader. He knows how to run an offense. He knows how to call a game. That is what he does best. Uh, he is proven with a track record that uh, evaluation of talent at times uh, is not his, his strong suit. It's certainly not his strong guest suit so yes to have somebody uh, that he can bounce things off of to advise him in, in his uh, role yes absolutely I think that is necessary that by because it doesn't matter who you are doesn't matter who you are you have to have a, a cabinet of advisors and so yes John Gruden is absolutely going to need that because if he tries to do it all on his own he's not going to be able to only one person has ever in the history of the league proven to be uh, successful at that at least in the modern day league and that's been Bill Belichick and even Bill Belichick Belichick has, and when you look at his history of coordinators, he's got an he's got amazing coordinators. So even he is not doing it completely alone. He's got Matt Patricia and Romeo Cronell and Josh McDaniels and you know what I mean, Eric Mangini. he's had amazing coordinators with him along the way. So yes, I think that it's absolutely critical that John Gruden builds a team of people around him, a team of coaches around him, and advisors around him, just like he eventually you need to build a, a team of players around you.
3: I completely agree. I think he's he's taking on too many roles. I want him just to be a coach. The last couple of weeks, he kind of focused in more on coaching, or he said that in the media. But you know, and it was showing on the field. So I really enjoyed that, and I'm tired of yes men around John Gruden, where they do whatever he says. Yes sir, yes sir. Reggie McKenzie was a yes man, and I think, and I hope, for his own safety, John Gruden. Will pick somebody that'll be combative to him, at least on occasion, just to keep him in check a little bit. Hire me. <laughs> there you go. I'll tell John Gruden all the right moves. Isn't that a movie in the '80s? All the right moves with Tom Cruise. It
4: sure is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You. Uh, good- yeah, well yeah. I was gonna sing oh. the theme song, but no, it's not. I'm only singing if the Chiefs win. I mean, if the the, the, the Raiders beat the Chiefs. Boy, that's no. true. That was a that uh, you- was a Freudian slip there, huh?
3: <laughs> well, uh as you can see, you can't see it on screen but there's a fan pulse that asked the question how confident are Raider fans in the direction of the team and in week 1 of the season they were almost at 100% and then you can see it falters and now at week 15 it's it's hovering just below 50%. Uh so I ask you the question from 0 to 100% how confident are you Murph in the direction of the team at this exact moment
4: i am 100% confident in the team at this moment now i don't like the way that our record has turned out i don't like losing i don't like seeing the team play flat on sundays like we did in cincinnati or like we did against the niners on on uh, you know national television uh, i don't like that stuff and it drives me nuts and it pisses me off and it makes you know fills me with anger and and all those things but in terms of The overall direction of the team, yeah, because again, I don't have any reason to believe otherwise, and I'm and I'm I'm ride or die with this team, and you people can call me a bootlicker and all that other kind of stuff, but look, until I know that we have uh, inept leadership and an inept coaching staff, then and I'll be the first one to say that they suck when they suck. But right now, they don't suck. You know what sucks? Following up a a playoff run with a six and ten season. That sucks. That's a coaching regression. You want to see terrible coaching in play? Watch that. You want to see terrible coaching? Go research the freaking you know 2006 Raiders like that. That's bad coaching. So as far as confidence in the direction, I have all the confidence in the world. Now is it gonna? Does that mean it's gonna play out? No, but I understand the plan because I'm, I'm at least willing to embrace the plan. Is the plan gonna work? We'll find out. But I'm willing to embrace it along the way.
3: There it is. Murphy is 100% all in still. At the beginning of the season, I was at 50%. I was already a little nervous about Gruden coming in. And I, I had I had plenty of issues. I was 50% in the beginning of the season. Now, if you ask me to today, uh, I might have been at 10% about three weeks ago. But then we beat the Steelers. And the players were kind of playing good. and The coaching kind of started. And now I'm at 30%. I I like to see the coaching happen and I like the way the players are responding at the end of the season. Whether we got all the victories every week or not, they are at least responding. So I'm at 30% confidence at this moment and I'm hoping after the draft maybe I'll be at 50 again and then maybe the start of next season I'll be upwards of 60. <laughs> but I don't know if I'm going to be at 100% until maybe they're officially in Vegas. <laughs> That's just my state and I'm statement and i'm sticking to it all right let's look at marshawn lynch's career stats he has 2,441 carries over 10,379 yards uh and 84 touchdowns his career might possibly be over he might officially retire and not play for the raiders next year or retire again but um i would like to see him on the sidelines and maybe after the game he'll throw his shoes on a telephone wire or something again <laughs> to make the statement that he's gone. Uh, some quick thoughts on Marshawn Lynch, possibly, you know, ending his career with the Raiders officially. Uh,
4: yeah, this is, this is the saddest I'll be of all year. I, I'll be all year. I mean, even more than the wins and losses. I think that when you talk about a career, uh, you know, and in, in, let's just call it, it's an epic career that he had. Unfortunately, it wasn't all with the Raiders, but Um, You know, the guy has been a really fun football player to watch uh, on the field. He's had some electrifying moments on the field. Uh, He's been a, a great personality off the field. Uh, everything from back in his days at Cal, riding around on the golf cart, or when he went back to Cal and rode the golf cart to the stuff he did with Conan O'Brien and Gronk uh, before the Super Bowl, the the video game things, or, all the way up into this week when he went and, uh, and 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 spoke to the City Council of Oakland and and talked to them about the importance of retaining the A's and keeping them in Oakland. Everything that Marshawn has done in his career, I've I've Everything except for one incident, the Marcus Peters thing that he did when he, when he defended the Chief over the Raiders, that was the only time he lost me. But outside of that, I've loved everything that the guy has done in his career, and I think he has become a Raider quicker and is, uh, and really uh, personified what it is to be a Raider, better than a lot of people that wore the silver and black for their entirety of their career or at least done more significant things wearing a Raider uniform. So I am sad that he's not going to get a chance to put on the uniform one last time in front of a home Oakland crowd, which is, you know, his beloved Oakland. And I just, that that sucks, man. That's, you know, there's a lot of poetic things that happen in sports, uh, but this is not going to be one of them. You know, and I think the idea that he's coming back next year, I think that's a long shot at best. He's coming off of injury, being on the wrong side of thirty. You know, I mean, I just I don't and not being in Oakland anymore. I I don't see it. Uh, so you know, hopefully he'll at least get a moment to tip his hat to the crowd and uh, give the give the crowd a chance to applaud and appreciate him and for what he's done. Because here's the other last thing I'll say. Because not only has he done an amazing thing, uh, you know, or, or has he been amazing playing for the Raiders and being fun to watch and you know and just watching him and the the tenacity that he brings to the position. But he does that off the field as well. All the different philanthropic things that he's done, the charitable things that he's done. The guy's just, he's legit, man. I'm a Marshawn guy. I'm a Marshawn fan. And uh, so anyways, I think that's a bummer that he's not going to get a chance to put on the uniform. One last time, Mikey.
3: Hey, you know what? They're still going to be called the Oakland Raiders, whether they play in San Francisco at Giant Stadium or not. Mm. So you never know. Maybe Marshawn's like, you know what? I'm going to stick it out. Because at least in name, they are still the Oakland Raiders and I hope that to be a possibility. But I'm going to do a quick impression of Marshawn Lynch at City Hall. Marshawn went to City Hall the other day, and I'm going to do a quick impression of him. Oakland is losing the Raiders. They lost the Warriors. You best not lose the age. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> That's exactly what he said. It was great. All right, Raider Nation, you're going to get mad at me for showing this stat, but uh, this is Khalil Mack with the Chicago Bears this year. More Shacks than the entire Raiders team. I hate looking at this, so I'm going to take it off screen. But I still showed it because I'm a jerk. All right, this is Amari Cooper stats with the Cowboys ever since he was traded. Seven games, 600 over 670 yards, six touchdowns. This pisses me off even more. So I'm taking it off screen. But now we're going to go to something positive. Uh, you, don't, you can't see it, Murph. You can watch it on the after show. But my friend went to a place called Candy Cane Alley, and he filmed. They have houses with Christmas lights all down the street for like five blocks. And apparently there's a Candy Cane Christmas, Christmas tree lighted Raider Nation house. And he filmed it, and he spoke about me in this video. And it was pretty awesome how the owner of the house knows me. And they mentioned me in this video. So here we go. So there it is. There's the Candy Cane Raider house as seen from afar. And it's just, I'm just proud that I can't believe it. He's fans of us, Murph. You know, they he's, they spoke about me. They didn't say Murph, but I know they're fans of you as well. But it's kind of cool to have a whole lighted up Christmas Raider house, even though it looks like he has some cowboy stuff on that house. I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> but would you decorate your entire house in Raider lights and Christmas tree stuff if you had the money or the materials?
4: Yeah. I mean, where I live in middle Tennessee would kind of look goofy for me to raiderize my house, but yeah, absolutely that I would if, uh, if I lived in an, in the appropriate part of the world, I mean, it's you get some out of market stuff here where people will put you know. Being I'm in Tennessee, but there's a lot of Alabama fans, so people Alabama eyes their house. Um, but yeah, but the inside of my house is, is it's definitely completely radarized. and my right. my neighbors are fully aware who are who the football team is around on these these uh, at least on this cul de sac. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, I would I'd dress up my house in Raider stuff. Why not?
3: Oh yeah, definitely check out his videos on YouTube link below. You'll definitely see all his house, his memorabilia, his Christmas Raider tree, all that amazing other stuff in upcoming videos. Uh you can't see this video, so this is gonna be funny. But I have a picture on screen of like a metal type robot that was built with leftover parts wearing a raider t-shirt. Uh so caption it. Even though you can't see it, caption it. This will be fun.
4: Oh, you know I'm not good at these things, Mikey. I'm not good at them anyways, let alone when I can't see them. Uh, Have you ever seen Johnny Five, the movie with Johnny Five called Short Circuit? Short Circuit with Steve Gutenberg? Yes, I've seen that movie.
3: Imagine a metal robot that kind of looks like that that was made with a Raider, like, jersey shirt on.
4: Uh, I don't know. All uh, alone. All alone in the middle of the road. Gosh, I don't know, man. I'm so terrible at these. Uh, I don't know. Uh, 3 and 11 does not compute. I love it. That's that's pretty awesome. Uh, it actually works. You're going to like it.
3: Uh, okay. I'll caption it by saying, uh, what does E.T. say? He says, uh, E.T. Phone, phone, home. phone home. Yeah. yeah um, this one, my opinion, it would say, Oakland Raiders don't leave home. No go away from home. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. I'm not good at this either, Murphy. You messed it all up. <laughs> All up, man. These are, all right, it's
4: the, the caption contest and the predictions; those are the two things I, comp- couple, well, three things. I the caption contest, the predictions, I completely fail at, and apparently my thumb dance that I do in the beginning of the show that's been now referred to as my thumb dance. Apparently, that's a fail as well, Mikey.
3: Well, you know, trust me, I'm cringe worthy as well on every episode, <laughs> so don't get me wrong. All right, we're in the we normally do a game review, but you know what? Since it's such a big Monday night football game. Let's get into some headlines before the game and let's do an actual game preview of like the storylines and the headlines. So the Raiders face the Broncos in week 16 of the NFL season and a possibility of the last home game in Oakland, Mark Davis, the Raiders, nobody's speaking on it. They don't want it to be known. Uh, They don't know where they're going to play next year. So they're still leaving it open, but I just want to know your quick thoughts. On this game, and then we'll get into some headlines. So How do you feel about this Denver Bronco game? It feels 100 different to me.
4: Yeah. So, you, are you asking me what my what, what about the matchups and about the gameplay or about just the well, game as a yeah, whole? Yeah. Your general
3: impressions of this game on Monday night. You know how it feels to you. Like, is it a season ender? Is it an Oakland ender? Just all the thoughts that yeah. are in your
4: head for this game. Gosh, I don't. You know, that's a that's a phenomenal question is is you know as easy as you would think it would be to answer it's not because there's so many different dynamics that are going into play you know here it is our uh, like i hate the broncos more than any other team in the nfl and we have a lot to choose from as raider fans we have a lot of rivals, uh, you know. Obviously, the ones in our division, but you know whether it's the, the the Jets or Pittsburgh or the Patriots or the Niners or even the Cowboys. Like, there's a lot of out of uh, conference and out of division rivals as well. So, but the, but the Broncos are mine. I, I absolutely despise them. Uh, I absolutely despise John Elway. I did not like Peyton Manning. Um, you know, I just I don't like the, the way Lynch is running. I just nothing about them. It's whatever i could go on forever i don't know what, i could do an entire podcast on my uh, <laughs> hatred for the stupid broncos but so so that said so i already have that and then you add the fact that it's a Monday night game it's a primetime game then you add the fact that it's on christmas eve and then you add the fact that it's the last time they're ever going to play there and you know with all the dynamics that are working this season it's neither one of these teams have anything to play for it's absolutely going to be a pride play but everybody is going to be watching because it's on christmas eve even my wife god bless her you know we talked about you know we're going to go to church earlier in the day and we're going to have have an early dinner we're going to do whatever and she said you know we'll go home we'll take naps and then we can so we can get up and watch the raiders and i'm like gosh dang i love you you know what i mean and so it's like you know, like. Even my wife, who's not a football fan, she's a football fan by proxy through me, is, you know, kind of loosely structured our day in a way to where, you know, we're going to watch the Raiders play on Christmas Eve, you know? And that's, so it's a big deal, man. It's a big freaking deal. And so I think that this is a nice way, just like the Steelers game was, this is going to be a nice way for the Raiders to silence a lot of critics to show that they are at least capable of of you know not only winning a football game but representing uh, in a good way and look I'm I'm partial uh and and I know it's a dump and I know all that stuff about the Oakland Coliseum but it's still to me because of, of my history there as a fan it still means a lot to me to see them in prime time, to see it against that, you know, that dark sky and that, you know, everybody wearing black in the stands against the, that bright, you know, green field. And I just, man, I, you know, I'm almost feeling like I'm going to get emotional here. I'm not, but it's just, it's a, yeah, it's, it's going to mean a lot. And they might lose by 30 points, you know? And so I'm really trying to temper going into this game with any expectations and just trying to embrace the, um, not severity of it, but the the overall gravity of the situation that there's a lot of things all coming to play at one time. And so you know, yeah, I, so I don't want to let I don't want to let the team's play take away the impact from the fact that it's the last game. Now because it's the last game, a win is absolutely necessary. I don't think anybody wants to see them depart Oakland on an L. Um, but with the way that we've been playing this year, it's like, well, you, what else do you expect? Expect them to lose. But I think it would be amazing, and it would be, it could potentially be transformational for this team if they win. Much like I go all the way back to that 1999 season when the Raiders played at Kansas City and we knocked them out of the playoffs, and the Raiders only finished like eight and eight that year, but they knocked Kansas City out uh, of the playoffs. And Daryl Russell famously walking off that field said, "They going home, and we going home." So uh, do
3: you? Do you officially think it is the last game? I mean, the media is not really talking
4: about it. Mark Davis is not talking about it. Yeah, they're not talking about it because they want to downplay it because they don't want people to – tear off everything that says Oakland Raiders on it and put it in their pocket carry it out of the stadium or the seats and everything else. And, you know, we have some, uh, we know some folks that are listeners to our show that are going to the game and have just reached out to us and said, hey, just want to let you know this is where we're going. And, you know, pray for us for safe travels and a safe experience. And I don't think it's going to be bedlam there. It's not going to be, you know, nickel beer night at the Oakland Coliseum. But I think it's going to be a, a pretty wild scene. I think that, you know, look, people are going to be looking to take a piece of the stadium home with them you <laughs> And so it's going to be interesting. People might, you know, even go on the field, which is also not unheard of. You know, look, after the 1976 AFC Championship, we stormed the field. Just go back and look at it. Look at all them hippies running around on the field back then. So it's, it's, there's been been times where it's happened. And and I think that that's a likely scenario. And I don't think any of us will be, you know, will be shocked by that. But yeah, I think, and not only is it going to be the last game in Oakland, I disagree with you on them being the Oakland Raiders next year. I think, I think the, the Raiders have turned. A middle finger at this point to the city of Oakland, not the fans. And there's a distinct difference there. That's not the, I'm talking about the city, the politicians, the powers that be. The friggin' Raiders are have want nothing to do to promote that team. All you got or that city, all you gotta do is look at the beanies that the Raiders are selling this year. They don't say Oakland on them. They say Raiders. And every other team, it says their their city of origin there. And the Raiders are the only ones that don't. They're not gonna, and any merch you find of the Raiders doesn't say Oakland anymore. They're not gonna be the Oakland Raiders. If they play somewhere else, as Uncle Mosh said this last week on Raiders Fan Radio, they're gonna be Oakland. The Raiders. They're not yes. going to have an association to... it. If anything, they'll adopt Vegas early. But I don't think they're going to uh, represent oakland anymore going forward so yes long answer question but i'm, I'm I, I answered it long because i'm passionate about it and, and i hope the rest of you are as well i hope the rest of you listening to this show are as uh, are as well man this if you're a raider fan this hits you in a lot of different ways there should be some emotion stirred up in you regardless of whether you're a fan in scotland or los angeles or oakland or wherever uh man this is going to be a big deal on monday well you know when amy trash speaks
3: you know, the uh, the first, uh, like, CEO or whatever of the Raiders, when she speaks, you know, Raider Nation listens. And on a podcast maybe about three, four days ago, she said that Mark Davis should throw a party and this is what he should do because they're, they are leaving Oakland. Uh, let's hear what she had to say and let's get your thoughts on this.
6: Parking lots early. They should get every, if not every, most local Oakland musical artists hammer too short adam duritz from counting crows the local and i'd start with hammer and then I'd go too short. Mm-hmm. Um, get all those artists there, have a free concert for fans in the parking lot. I would spend a lot of money on this. I would make concessions free for the whole game. Pre game, while that concert's going on in the parking lot, I would have the fans be able to mix and mingle with Raider legends awesome. from days gone by and get hugs and autographs. And after the game, I would allow the fans to come down on the field and mix and mingle with current players and current coaches. This needs to be a thank you and a salute and an appreciation to the magnificent, magnificent Raider Nation. I understand that a tremendous number of fans are going to follow the team and root for them when they're in Las Vegas. There are other fans whose hearts are breaking. The fans have supported this team through thick and thin, and this should be a festival for the fans. Get Hammer on the phone, get Too Short on the phone, get Adam Duritz on the phone, have a concert. All the fans should get free food and mix and mingle with everyone. You're giving me the chills. That's, that's... I'm not done yet, but you know those are just a, f- a few ideas. And by the way, it's going to cost a lot of money to do that. Spend it. Spend it on those fans.
5: They just-
3: Look, I love Amy Trask. There's too many variables to that story that really couldn't have gotten done, but she was speaking from the heart on what she felt Mark Davis should do in an attempt to at least please some fans and respect the city of Oakland at this time of leaving. I know it wasn't going to happen. It was too whatever, but this proves that Mark Davis doesn't even want to associate with the Raiders, doesn't want to spend the money. And he's not, from my perspective, I don't think he's doing anything special because he doesn't want to make it officially known that he's leaving. But I think Mark Davis, for the first time in his life, should have done something for this game because most of us know it's the end. And I wish he would have addressed it truthfully and been honest for the final time in Oakland. Your thoughts on this situation?
4: Yeah I, I totally agree with everything that you just said in terms of you know the what are the actualities of getting all of those people in place and doing all those free things and doing all that letting the Fans come and mingle on the field with the players. I don't last time that we saw fans mingle with the players was Donald Penn almost fought one of them in the parking lot. Like, I don't know how great of an idea that is, but I but the 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 concept of the idea of doing extra and to signify the moment based on everything that I just talked about a few minutes ago. Yes, absolutely I'm with Amy Trask on that. On the let's embrace the the history. Let's embrace the the amazing things from that '76 championship game to the Heidi Bowl, the, all the different things that have happened in that stadium. The different, the all the different famous moments that have happened have people like Villapiano and all them, you know, out there. Absolutely, and and in terms of those artists and whatnot, the people that are outside of football. Aren't those people gonna be there anyways? Like, I mean, Heck Hammer was there. I saw him. He he was at the freaking season opener this year. Like, I mean, those too short. And all that. James Hetfield from Metallica. And all, I mean, if those guys aren't away on tour or aren't already, you know, an Ice Cube, if they're not already out doing something absolutely that they will be there, and they should. I mean, look, Metallica played a live concert in the parking lot before the 2002 AFC Championship game. The Raiders didn't request that. Al Davis didn't reach out to Metallica and go, hey, I want you guys to come play. No, they just did it. And so, you know, if, if those artists feel compelled to do that kind of stuff, then good for them, and I think that it would be an absolute uh, tip of the cap to the Raider Nation, and those types of things should happen. But I'm telling you, man, with the lawsuit changed everything and when when the city of Oakland filed that lawsuit it absolutely put a line in the sand and Mark Davis is not going to do anything to do the city of Oakland any favors that right. means he's not going to bring them any extra attention he's certainly not going to bring them any additional revenue so this whole idea of, of what Amy's saying that oh just do all this free stuff yeah right good luck with that they're, they're, the Raiders are not going to do that when with considering that this lawsuit just happened but I appreciate her passion I appreciate the sentiment behind it and, and so it will be nice to see something but Mikey I don't know what the feasibility is of all Of us of us getting it all of that.
3: Yeah, no, I know it's not gonna happen. I just love the idea of it and the thought. But I mean, truthfully, some of it could happen, you know, whether the fans make it happen themselves or not, like whether they storm the field or if they mingle with the players. I don't think Raider Nation would hurt any of the players. I think it would create NFL history on film on Monday night football. The Raider Nation. I don't care what you say about us, whether we're thugs or mean or this or that. That is ridiculous. We are a family. And I guarantee you, the Raider fans might be mad and jump onto the field, but the minute they're next to Derek Carr or if they even hate him, they're going to hug him and say, man, I love you, I love you. Because that's how Raider Nation is. Whether we're mad at them or not, we're just going to be proud to be next to a Raider on the field in the last game in Oakland. And that would create television Monday night football in NFL history where players and fans mingled together on the field for the last moments of Oakland history. I think it could be done and gosh, darn it. I hope it happens. So, all right, let me see if I got another graphic. Um, uh, Marshawn Lynch. Yes. I have that picture on screen. Uh, Marshawn Lynch uh, jersey number is 24 this game is happening on the 24th Uh, Do you think Marshawn Lynch? I I made a theory where I think he should suit up And get on the field regardless whether the team gets fined or not And then they should play that because it's all about Oakland though the hyphy song and he needs to dance You know, like in the middle of the game with the jersey on, the helmet, and everything, no matter what, with the entire team. I don't care if the NFL finds him. Mark Davis needs to take his broke, cheap butt And pay that fine. What are your thoughts on that? Would you like to see that
4: happen? Yeah, see, that's the kind of moment that I would love to see. When I talked about Marshawn earlier, I hope there's a moment like it. Now he's not going to run up in the into the middle of the field, uh, you know, with his helmet on. But could he? You know, look, we saw him dancing on the sidelines in his uniform last year uh, during the Jets game. Could we see him? You know, wearing his essentially his his, you know, what whatever whatever they wear on the sidelines when they're not playing their what workout clothes or sweats, whatever the heck they're wearing. But that with a jersey and, like, have him start dancing to a song like that and, you know, maybe kind of drift off towards the field a little bit, get the crowd fired. Absolutely. I think that would be amazing. I think that would absolutely be amazing. And those are the type of moments that I hope that the Raiders will allow for. And I think they will. I definitely think they will. We're going to see something. Like, it's too significant of an event for it to not be something happen you know what i mean like some those kinds of moments are going to be a part of the, of this thing and so you know and again and the, and the better they play too the more likely it is that these things do happen right
3: yeah maybe after a touchdown or something or yes. you know like right before yes. a kickoff coming out of a tv timeout or something you know just just start it please but you never know what you know i don't know but i want to see it happen i think something interesting is going to happen on monday night football like in terms of a history-making moment for the team. Yeah, I agree.
4: Something's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's going to be great, man. It's going to be awesome.
3: All right, so here's the question. We kind of answered it a second ago. Uh, Do you believe Raider Nation, no matter win or lose, should storm the field and maybe... Again, if they want to protest, protest, or if they just want to stand in unison, throw up an O and yell out Raiders for 10 minutes, do you think they should? And would you do it if you were there?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think that, I love that idea, man, standing up and throwing up the O and chanting Raiders. Oh my gosh, it gives me chills kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah, that absolutely should happen, something like that to that effect. And you know, again, I mentioned earlier, you know, look, fans have been on that field, but I have been on that field after an A's game, you know what I mean? So, I mean, it's not... Uh, completely, you know, out of the realm of possibility. The rate that the that the, that the uh, fans go on the field after the game now, they're gonna have way amped up security. So I don't know how much the Raiders or the NFL is going to allow things like that to happen. It's a much different world that we're in now than what it was in 1976 or even in the 90s when when I was at, did it during a baseball game or after a baseball game. But it, it's just. Um, you know, so I hope everyone's safe and considerate and you know, there's, it's going to be wild no matter what. Right. And that's okay. Wild and, 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 and chaotic at times is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, that's, I mean, every Raider game is like that anyways, but you just don't want it to be, you want to see it get unsafe because there's, you know, kids around and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, some, some sort of, of, you know, tribute, uh, something to honor the fans and to do that. I think that would be. Be amazing! I don't know who's coming to light the torch. You know that would be like, like it. W- how cool would it be to have Woodson there to light the torch? The guy that really kind of started that whole throwing up the O thing does not he, he work Monday night football or the countdown? He does. Or something? Yeah, he does. He works the countdown show. So you know he's going to be. That's in Sunday, count- Sunday, right? I think that's Sunday though. No, but he does the him and Moss and all them. They do the yeah, and they do that whole thing where they go to I don't watch ESPN much anymore, but they do that thing where they go to like different, you know, places in the city like before the game and hang out and all that kind of stuff. So absolutely. I think if you have Woodson light the torch and throw up the yo and get the crowd going, like that's Again, I'm getting chills, man. That's the kind of stuff that's gonna be good. And so I'm with you at, at the end of the game, hopefully something like that to signif- to signify the, you know, the the you know the overall again, the gravity of the event I and the situation. I think it'd be great.
3: This is again, it's there's so much to take in with this game that like you can't even do a game preview, like in no. terms of the players. Uh-uh. You 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 can't it's like there's too much to fathom. I actually think that there will be a report that the Raiders are going to stay in Oakland like earlier that day or the day or just the day before just to possibly please the crowd, you know, so they can get the game over and done with. I could see that report coming out. Yeah, Uh,
4: I agree. Just to kind of, kind of quell it a little bit, you know what I mean? Kind of quiet things down, you know, keep the, whatever, keep people from, you know, shredding the place or whatever but look it's not like you can like go in there with a bunch of like nine sixteenths wrenches and sockets and you know what i mean like it's not like there's gonna people gonna be busting out power tools like taking things apart but but yeah i could see them releasing something like that to try to you know temper it a little bit yeah
3: bring the gruden (laughs) hammer there you go we can bring the gruden hammer uh would you take a piece of the field or anything if you could murph
4: without anybody watching be honest uh well i've eaten the grass <laughs> I've eaten the grass in right field, as I mentioned. After an A's game, I went on the field, and I ate the grass in right field because Reggie Jackson was my all-time favorite A's player for many, many years. Still, still is, and uh, that's where he played. So I ate the grass in, in right field, and uh, um, that was back when I used to partake. And uh, that's what happens when you get overserved. You you do goofy things like eat grass. And so, um, yeah. So so I literally have ingested the field of that of that facility. Would I take something? I don't know. I mean, um, you know, you've heard me mention before that you know I've, I've been going to the Oakland Coliseum literally since my mother was pregnant with me. I went to the '72 World Series and have spent you know countless times there for for A's games, for Raiders games, for monster truck rallies. My first concert was next door at, at before it was even Oracle when it was the Oakland Alameda uh, County Coliseum Arena, and like you know, I've I've spent a lot of time on the on the on those acres right there, and so. Um, I don't know if I necessarily, you know, the memories that I have of being there with my dad and, and 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 other family members and friends and, you know, going on my own and cutting. I used to cut school and go to A's games, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think that would be enough and I've got enough pictures and all that. I don't feel like I would need to have a piece of the stadium with me. But but if I was a PSL holder and if I was paying for my seat for the last I don't know, you know, however long, fifteen years or whatever, and I, and that seat I've been sitting in, you know, would I be tempted to unbolt that sucker or take something off, take the 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 seat with the the you know the fold down portion of it with me? Eh, maybe I don't know. I guess it would depend on how crazy it started getting around me. I mean, I don't I don't condone vandalism by any means, but yeah, I mean I, that would I could I could see why people would do something like that. But I don't think I would go too crazy with it, especially if I was with my kids. I want to be like setting an example, be like, okay, kids, like, you know, just because, you know, things are over, so you're now entitled to steal and vandalize. Like, I don't know if I would condone that. I mean, the A's are still going to play there next year. So they still got to have seats. So if you take your seats with them, someone's got to pay for it to replace it.
3: Uh, You know what? In a weird world, I might as well take one of the rats. One of the rats that, you know, <laughs> infest the o.co Co. Coliseum, you, you know, maybe, maybe he'll still be alive. So, you know, I'll have a pet for a few years or if he dies, then I got the bones that were in the stadium on the last game. Or if I can bring seven of my friends, if they all know welding, I'm taking that torch. All seven of us are going to take the, you know, the Al Davis torch with all the autographs. Cause that's going to be some worth some money.
4: There you go. I would take Reggie Nelson.
3: That's what it, yeah, I would that's take, what take
4: Reggie home because I don't want him playing for us anymore. I'm just taking Reggie Nelson home with me. Come on, Reggie. we're go- You're coming with us, man. We've had, a, we've had enough of this, of you wearing this uniform. You're coming with us. <laughs>
3: All right. You know what? Let's do it. Let's,
4: there's a movie where they
3: kidnap a basketball player yes. and hold him for ransom. Let, is- let's steal a Denver Bronco. Do we take Case Keenum?
4: Who do we take from oh, the Denver? Broncos? No, leave him there. We want to see him playing forever. Let's take somebody like Philip Lindsay, who's actually gonna, uh, you, you know what I mean? Could be a detriment to our team in the future. Yeah, let's kidnap oh Phil or or, or uh, Von Miller. Let's just go for it, man. Let's. Uh, who is it that they? In that it was um it was Celtic Pride. It was Dan Aykroyd and Daniel Stern, and they right. kidnapped. Who was it? Uh, Damon Wayans. I don't know. He was like a New York. He's a Nick uh, Nick or something, right? Yeah. 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 So let's just, let's just go. And he was their best player. So let's just go right to the top. Let's, let's get Von Miller. And uh, you know what I mean? And uh, we'll, we'll, uh, of course, it's going to take more than just you and me. Cause he would kick both of our asses with probably both hands tied behind his back. But I think as Raider nation collective, we can, we can, uh, we can get him.
3: This is evidence. We, you got Mondays with Mike and Murph talking about kidnapping Bronco players. <laughs> And holding them for ransom on eBay or something. Oh so my much God. for that
4: alibi, huh? <laughs> Woo.
3: That's hilarious. All right, listen, All right.
4: This is a joke. If anybody touches Vaughn Miller next week, we had nothing to do with it. Yeah, we're talking about the proverbial ushers,
3: you know, <laughs> not the real ushers. We're talking about the proverbial oh
4: ushers. They
3: don't exist. Uh, let's try to do an actual game time uh, preview What are your expectations for this game in terms of the O-line Derek Carr? Do you think he'll, you know, that John Gruden is worried about him getting injured with the O-line? Maybe he'll take him out. I don't know. Just your thoughts on this game, on the actual gameplay on the field and the players,
4: man, I'm worried about, you know, running backs and tight ends are, they're killing us. And, uh, you know, the, the Broncos don't have, you know, Julius Thomas anymore. Or, no, he's not there, right? He's not. It's so like they don't have they don't have the players that used to kill us at tight end anymore, right? And I mean, AJ Derby's not even there. Um yeah. Who is it? Heiauser? Who's that guy? I don't even remember who it is. With their tight end,
3: Huneman, um, Hireman. Something. Yeah,
4: exactly. Yeah, so yeah, There you go. And so, and I'm not going to pull a Stephen A. on you and try to pretend like I know, like you know, the 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 depths of the of the of the rosters here. Um, but I know the guys that are significant enough. And I don't think Case Keenum is anybody that we have to worry about. And I, and especially now with the you know the loss of Emmanuel Sanders for the year, like I don't see any reason that we can't. You know, with well as Conley's playing and, and other guys in our secondary, I think we're going to be fine there. It's the running game. I mean, when you look at, and it, we have a deficiency at linebacker as and mainly inside linebacker. And it shows up when guys like Joe Mixon come out and, and kick our butts. You know what I mean? And so we need to have uh, you know, production at that position and shut down a guy like Philip Lindsay, because Philip Lindsay at times can be uh, you know, a dominant player. Uh this not the team is a dominant, but he's had some amazing performances this year. So I'm kind of kind of worried about that. And then of course, pass rush. You know, you mentioned the uh, the issues none. we've had well, our pass rush, but the issues that we've had uh, stopping other teams is pass rush, and especially when you have uh two young unknown guards going at it. I heard Kolecchi's coming back this this week, so that's a good thing. That at least gets us one step in the right direction. But you never can trust what a guy's gonna do coming off of an injury. So, you know, you gotta slow down Chubb and you gotta slow down Von Miller, right? And and keep Derek Carr upright, and if they can do. Like many times, like many football games, if you can keep the other team from running all over you and you can slow down their pass rush, you'll have yourself in a in a position to win. So, uh, listen, I think defensively we got enough. I think we're going to... Because, look, Case Keenum, I just... I think he was so overrated coming in this year, and I think this is a, a classic blunder on Elway to to thinking that you want to talk about arrogance, uh, you know, thinking that he can you know have bringing a guy to 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 fill that role. And Case was going to be the guy. Please, please, absolutely not, you know. And so uh, I don't, I don't think uh, I don't worry about Case. Case. Of course, I didn't worry about Jeff driscoll either i didn't worry about nick mullins either so and those guys torched us so or at least uh were are effective enough in the case of driscoll so uh so who knows about case keenum but i think we're going to be okay i'm at least more confident in our ability to do that mikey than others so uh so let's let's slow down philip Lindsay. let's slow down that pass rush and then let's see what we can do uh keep the game close man it at, at least give raider nation something to cheer for man these these double digit blowouts man that's ugh it's terrible, especially the last game in yeah. Oakland, right?
3: We've had a revolving door at the roster, uh, you know, position basically for about five, six weeks now. So I don't know who's playing from week to week. And players are being released from Gruden on free agency, like Emmanuel Amer and stuff like that. And Gary Unconnelly, I believe he's not going to play. I believe he's still completely in the concussion protocol. Uh, so that being said, but you're right, Gabe Jackson is possibly coming back. Donald Penn
4: is not going to play. No, Gabe's Gabe's out. Gabe's out for the year. He's on sorry, IR. Gabe's Gabe's out. Gabe's I, out but I, we we got Col- Yeah, we got Clutchy come back. Hey, one more name I'm going to throw out there too. Real quick, uh Darren Waller, man. Let's get that kid the ball again. I'm I'm excited for him. Big size guy, speed guy, a lot of athleticism there, man. He looks like 6-6 and runs a 446, man. At tight end. That's awesome. Let's get Darren yeah, Waller but the ball. Th- they are kind of like trick plays to the tight end and they've
3: worked the previous three weeks. I guarantee you, Denver, you know, has it on the radar now. So it's going to be a little bit tougher for Lee Smith to catch a touchdown three games in a row. (laughs) Same thing with Darren Waller, two games in a row. I think it's going to be a little tougher for them moving forward. So that might open up the doors for Marshall Aitman or Jordy Nelson again. But um, yeah, I don't know what to expect. Uh, Do you think, Derek Carr, if he struggles, if he's getting shacked, do you think John
4: Gruden would be that worried about an injury to pull him out or anything like that? Nope. No way. No way. Unless Derek pulls himself out or there's some reason that, that uh, you know, because of a con- con- concussion protocol or something like or that. Injury. Yeah. unless uh, Look, Derek don't come out of games, man. I mean, look at the guy broke his pinky finger, went into the tent and came back out just a few minutes afterwards. You know what I mean? Like, uh uh-uh, No, he did. And, and Gruden's not going to do that to his quarterback. He's not going to do that to him. He's, you know, he did it like when when did Derek it this year one time, one time and Derek got hurt and he got pissed. Right. And yeah. and rightfully so, uh, you know, but Gruden addressed it fairly. I thought about the reason that he didn't let him go back in because there was the game was over by all intents and purposes at that time. It wasn't like Derek was going to miss, you know, a chance to go be competitive again.
3: Well, that's what I mean. If the game is over too as well, do, do you think there's a possibility? There's
4: a difference between the game being over and the game being, you know, completely uh, out of reach. You know what I mean? Like when when Derek got left out, like it wasn't like McCarron was out there running them on the last few series of the game in a in a, in a, in a game that was like, you know, a chance for them to win. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't like that. It was just like it, we kept them out of, it wasn't even victory formation. And it was just like, like, you know what I'm saying? So like the game was, was literally over at that point. And so I don't even think Derek, nobody even went in, in his place. It was just a matter of whether they were going to or not. So, you know, that's a different story than, you know, Hey, it's the middle of the third quarter or even, you know, late in the fourth quarter. And we're going to let Peterman go out there and get some snaps. I don't think that's going to happen. Not even anywhere close.
3: Yeah, he'd have to bring be uh, bring be brought up off the practice roster for that to happen. But A.J. McCarron, like you said, he'll probably come back and shoot
4: up. Uh, final score predictions. Go for it, brother. I'm so terrible at these, right? Uh, well, I don't expect him to win anymore. Uh, so I'm going to say they lose a close one, 27-20. Uh, of course, that's not what my heart wants, Raider Nation. That's my head, just based on when you only win three games out of – uh you know, 14 uh, doesn't really inspire much confidence to pick them to win. Uh, but you know, I would like to think that the fan in me, my heart wants to think that because of all of the things that are on the line, because of the, you know, again, use the word again, the gravity of all of it, that they will play a different type of inspired football, uh, not only for the crowd but for, just, you know, the, the, just the entirety of the situation, I would think that there would be a little extra mustard on this one. And uh, they did it for Pittsburgh and there's way greater things on the line for this game against the Broncos. So I would like to think that the Raiders have a, you know, a good chance to win this football game. But um, if you're, if you're asking me to pick, if I had to bet my mortgage, I would say they lose 2720.
3: All right. I'm going to do a prediction. Cause I didn't do a game preview thing on my own. I'm going to say the Raiders get a victory. I'm going to say we go out with a bang. The NFL helps us on Monday Night Football, whether you believe it's rigged or not. I'm going to say, like, we get all the breaks in the final stretch and we win the game with John Gruden and Derek Carr making a two point decision. We have an opportunity to tie the game, but they decide to go for two in the final seconds and get a big victory 25 to 24 over the Broncos to end it in Oakland. I don't know if it'll happen, but it's fun to think about. Okay, here we go. The show's been, a it's actually at an hour and a half per se, but we're going to do this. We have to do this. These are the top five Monday night football Raider games that are memorable, according to the experts online. And I will go down from five to one. I know you cannot see them on screen, Murph, but I will give you the details from the, um, the ad or can, whatever that I saw online. Can I so let's go for it?
4: Can I give you mine before we start? Since I can't see them. Cause I'm curious to have, if mine match up at all. Can I just throw a couple games at you? Yeah. Yeah. They're not even on screen yet. I'm going to do one by okay. one. But all yes. right. So my most memorable win. Well, two of them. One is, was a game that I went to, but it was as far as the significance of the game, but I went to was at Tennessee. That was a great game. It was fact right back around this time of year. But aside from that in 2002, um when we beat the broncos uh, nice. on our way to the to the super bowl that year and rod woodson had a 98 yard uh, interception return for a touchdown—that was amazing. That was by far the most memorable win for the Raiders. But as far as most memorable in its entirety, there are two. There are, but they were losses, and one was the Brett Favre game when he played the day after his dad passed away, and he threw for like 400 yards and four touchdowns on us. Uh, and then the other one was the night uh, that we played the Niners in, in 1994. And not only did Jerry Rice set the touchdown record in that game, but that was the game that Napoleon McCallum broke his leg. And okay. so, like, that game, like, I mean, I remember watching that thing. I know exactly where I was. I know where I was sitting. I know who I was with. I know, like, I mean, I remember that like it was yesterday. So, th- sadly, those two losses are memorable, uh, probably even more vividly than the, than the win, uh, and they were even that much longer ago than the win, But, uh, but those were anyways, those are the three that, that, that came to mind when, when I saw this question on our sheet. So I'm curious to hear what the rundown says.
3: Yeah, I should have did my own research and looked up all the Monday night football games for myself, but I didn't really have the time. I'll be <laughs> quite honest with you guys, but according to the experts of the top five most memorable Monday night football Raider games, these are in their order. Um, all right, so let's go at number five. Number five is September 19th, 1983. The Raiders beat the Dolphins 27 to 14. Miami had represented the AFC in the Super Bowl in the year before, even though the Raiders had been the top playoff sheet. So this game was about reestablishing the pecking order in the conference and building a 13 to nothing halftime lead. The Raiders left no doubt as to which, What team was the best one in the AFC that year? In fact, it was 27 to nothing in the fourth quarter before Miami even scored. Quarterback Jim Plunkett needed to attempt just 15 passes in this entire game, completing 11 of them. As running back Marcus Allen ran for 105 yards, of course, the Silver and Black would go on to win a third Super Bowl in that season, Note, Dan Marino made his NFL debut in this game, throwing two garbage time touchdown passes in the final quarter. That is number five, September 19th, 1983. Raiders 27, Dolphins 14. I don't remember that game, but I want to watch it.
4: I'm sure you can find it online, man. There's a lot of full football games on YouTube, and it's fantastic. uh, If you like to go back and watch some of these games.
3: Yeah, I'm building a game. And if you remember any of these, you know, let me know after. Uh, Number four, November. This is the one I think you possibly talked about, or at least in that season, November 11th, 2002. The Raiders beat the Broncos 34 to 10. That's it. This was a huge game most people don't remember. As Oakland used this game as a springboard to another AFC championship. And the team's first since 1983 the Raiders had started the season 4-0 before losing the next four games including two in overtime Oakland needed this win to right the ship the silver and black got it going again on this night the big play was a 98 yard interception return for a touchdown in the first quarter by Oakland's Rod Woodson but quarterback Rich Gannon showed why he would win the league's MVP award in 2002 by completing that night 34 out of his 38 attempts for 352 yards and three touchdowns wide receiver Jerry Rice caught two touchdowns as the Raiders would only lose one more time during the regular season on the way to that Super Bowl 37 number four you got it good
4: that was a great game man that was a great game I didn't
3: know it was Monday night football. You get it? Like by reading this, I start to remember some of these games. Yeah, man.
4: Yeah. Now, you know, it's unfortunate. Like I was too little and so were you. When the Raiders were the kings of Monday night and all that stuff, that was, I mean, because I'm sure, you know, this list is going to have games from the 70s that, you know, we just were too little to remember or or whatever to be around for at all. Uh, But because I'm sure that's where this list is going. It's got to be. But yeah, but that one in 2002, like we haven't had a lot of significant Monday night football games since then, if you think about it. So that's that that we're again that we're on the positive side of. So that's why that one stands out to me so much.
3: We will have a big one this Monday night, and I hope it's just as memorable for all the reasons we spoke about just recently. Uh, Number three on the top five Monday night football Raider games, December 3rd. It was a cold, chilly night in <laughs> 1979 as the Raiders were versus the Saints. The Raiders won 42-35 to 35 versus the Saints. No, this wasn't a memorable season for Oakland at all. As the Raiders finished 9-7 and seven for the second year in a row and missed the postseason again, too, for the second straight time. However, this game further cemented the Monday Night Football legend of the Raiders at the time. Oakland was down 35 to 14 in the third quarter before quarterback Ken Stabler led the Raiders to four straight touchdowns and an amazing come from behind win at the New Orleans Superdome. He had just thrown a pick six to bury his team in the 21 point lead hole, but Stabler tossed three touchdown passes in the fourth quarter, including the final two to wide receiver cliff branch to give Oakland the unlikely victory at this point, basically everyone associated with the NFL just knew that the Raiders were a give me win when they played on primetime television, but the Raiders were definitely not a give me or give me on this night. You ever, did you ever watch that game or remember it?
4: I don't I was six. So no, I, I don't, I don't remember that. I don't remember a lot of, I don't remember what my teachers were in elementary school, let alone remember this game, but hey, we, we got homework now. Like uh, I'm going to try to find these games yeah. and I'll send it to you. And we're going to watch them. But that's what Kenny did, man. I mean, that's why, you know, as a kid, I do remember him being my favorite player and it was because of these were the kinds of things that he did. So yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Here we go. Now we're getting into
3: my generation. Uh, number two, October 20th. It was almost Halloween. I'm just kidding. October 20th, 1980. Raiders 45, Steelers 34. It's hard to explain how big this was at the time, but with backup quarterback Jim Plunkett now at the helm, after an injury to starter Dan Pastorini, the silver and black had to go to Pittsburgh on Monday night football to take on the two-time defending Super Bowl champions. This matchup was a shootout with several lead changes. First, it was the Steelers up 17 to 7, and then it was the Raiders up 28 to 17. But here comes Pittsburgh again to make it just a one point game, 35 to 34 by the end of the third quarter. Oakland closed out the game with 10 unanswered points to win the contest. And Plunkett's three touchdown passes were huge. Branch had 123 yards and two touchdowns, including the game-clinching score in the final quarter. The still curtain was no more as the Raiders went on to win Super Bowl 15 with Jim Plunkett as their MVP in the 80 season.
4: That's a good one there, man. You know, anytime we beat the Steelers is great. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's an awesome one, Mikey. You know, I don't remember – this game but I remember this season because I remember Pastorini didn't he, he broke his leg right and that's why why Plunkett ultimately went in because Pastorini uh, was brought in to kind of kind of replace stabler because that's when the when the Raiders uh, sent him to Houston and Pastorini was brought in to replace stabler and then Pastorini goes down and and Plunkett comes in to save the day and uh, and then he did it again later on in his career so hope I'm not mixing those up about when he broke his leg but uh yeah that's that's pretty cool man that's 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 a very cool one
3: all right, and the whoops, the final number 1 game is my graphics are like not coming up. There we go. Number 1. It was a cold chilly September. I'm just kidding. <laughs> number 1, September 20th, 1976. The Raiders beat the Chiefs 24 to 21. We put this at the top of the list because it helped launch Oakland and to its first Super Bowl title. Due to a scheduling quirk, the Raiders played five straight road games in 1976. Is that really a quirk? The NFL seems to do that all the time to the Raiders. Yeah, right. I don't even want to talk about it. all East
4: Coast games too, I'm sure.
3: Yeah, the Raiders played five street, straight road games in 1976, and this was the first of them. If Oakland loses this game, who knows if the team goes on to a 13-1 season and the NFL championship. The game wasn't as close as the score suggests as Kansas City scored the last two touchdowns of the game to make it look close. The Raiders took a 17 to nothing halftime lead and outgained the Chiefs 446 yards to 280. Ken Stabler completed 22 out of 28 passes for 224 yards and three touchdowns. The Oakland juggernaut would lose only one game in 1976. That was a road game in New England, Two weeks after this game, this was one of seven games the Raiders would win during the year by seven points or less, and that is your number one top Monday Night Football Raider game according to the
4: experts. That's a cool one. You know, I like how they mentioned that that was you know the year that they marched to the Super Bowl, and and we went through. Well, we didn't go through Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh came to us, but. But that was the game earlier that I mentioned when you when you watch footage of that game the crowd runs onto the field after we beat the Steelers in the AFC Championship game that year and that was that was probably 1976 was probably the most significant year in the entirety of the Raiders history. When you look at it, the significance of it of of Madden and of Davis and of winning the first Super Bowl and the performances of people like Stabler and all the different people I you know I've made mentioned at times about how the '70s Raiders were like superheroes to me. And you look at the people on these teams, man. And this was this was their coming out party. You know, this was their their they finally got past the Steelers and got that first ring, and it was a big deal, man. It was a big deal. And so you know, I wish. I remembered this game in '76 against the Chiefs because we all know how much we hate the Chiefs and what a great rivalry that is with the Raiders. Uh, so I wish I did remember it, but that's that sounds awesome because that year, uh, Mikey, I'm just I'm telling you, man, as a Raiders fan, that's the year. That's got to be the year for all Raider fans to point at as the most significant in the history of the team.
3: Yeah. So I implore you, Murph, and me, let's do some homework during this off season, before the Super Bowl. Let's find some of these games and let's rewatch them. I'd love to. Let's see what the NFL history and the Raiders of Oakland or LA is all about. And let's look at the NFL before all this mamsy pamsy, you know, making it for the offense, nobody getting injured. When men were men and players were players and they knew that they were putting their bodies on the field, not only for money, but for pride and excellence. Let's rewatch some of these games, even if you're a 12 year old Raider fan.
4: Let's do some homework and let's do some research. More importantly, if you're a 12 year old Raider fan, watch these games. Absolutely, I've showed my kids. We have we've never sat down to watch a full game, but we've I've shown them plenty of highlights of players from everybody from from Snake to you know Howie Long to Charles Woodson to whoever to to show them so they understand the significance of those those players and in terms of the raider so absolutely younger players there was a world that existed before iPhones and social media and so yep. you, you know what i mean go out there and explore it and you know it will help you uh, in in terms of informing your opinions about football and especially about this team you know and and I'm not going to use this as an opportunity to take shots at young younger fans mikey because there are a lot of good ones uh, but there are well usually when you hear a, a crazy thought or a, oh my gosh I can't believe we're this bad or I can't believe we've never done this or I can't Usually that comes from the fan that you know isn't quite aware of those times of those days. So, you know, go back and look at look at Raider history. Go back there and watch this stuff, man. That's all I you can watch the freaking uh AFL championship game from 1967, the Raiders and the Houston Oilers, and watch us throttle the dang Houston Oilers in a game where we got like nine sacks. Like go back and watch that stuff. Go back and learn about Daryl Lamonica and Jim Otto and George Blanda and all these guys. Even guys that predate these 70s Raiders, man. There's a just an amazing history of this football team out there to be had. So I'm with you, Mikey. I'm a, I just I made myself a note here. I'm going to take you up on that, uh, my friend. And let's 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 find these things and let's watch them, man. This this great idea for the offseason.
3: Yeah, I have a wonderful archive of a lot of Raider stuff from many years on Hard drives and everything. I don't know if I could say that, you know, the NFL will come after me for having videos, and you know, I'm covering my mouth so they can't prove it's me. But I got a wonderful archive. But I do got to find these games and see if I got them. I definitely want to watch them, and that'll be great. So there it is. Look, let's talk about next week. We should do a game preview, but we're not going to next Monday, if not before, because. That is around New Year's time. Uh, That will be New Year's Eve, I believe, next Monday. So we might possibly do another Friday show like we had today. But next Monday or the next show will literally be the season finale of Mondays with Mike and Murph. Doesn't mean the show is going anywhere. It just means we literally put in 23 episodes and it's a season finale. And then we're going to start doing possibly uh, monthly shows and specials like for the – Super Bowl, for the the draft, and all that other stuff. We're not going anywhere, but we're celebrating next week the season finale, our first inaugural season of Mondays with Mike and Murph. So there it is, Murph. What say you on that subject?
4: It's been a great run, Mikey. I've had a blast this year doing Mondays with Mikey and Murph and look forward to doing one more before we move into – monthly mode uh but i do appreciate you my friend appreciate you uh welcoming me to your welcoming me to your channel and i'll save all the 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 sappiness for the the, for the last show but uh, i've really enjoyed this first season of mondays with mikey and murph so appreciate you having me and appreciate uh, all the hard work that you've put into making this uh not only a a blast to participate in but i think a, a fun watch for for raider nation and uh and so i appreciate all of you that have Uh, watched us this year I can't read the chat but I always go back and read through it so uh, for any of those shout outs in the the chat much respect back from me and look forward to catching up with that and so Merry Christmas to you all Merry Christmas to Raider Nation if you don't celebrate Christmas and you celebrate something else there's Festivus or whatever the heck else it is all I can say is this, this is a great time of year to just remember that we're all in this together love on one another man be kind to one another give away giving is way better than receiving on all fronts. So, uh, you know, g- g- give with your time and your resources and your grace and your love and your forgiveness and do that all for one another. And uh, i am just, uh, you know, just a, just a fun time of year. And Mikey, I extend all that stuff to you, brother. I appreciate you and, uh, hope you, uh, you, I know you've had some health challenges and whatnot here lately, but I hope you're able to find some joy and some family in this, uh, in this season, buddy, as we're, uh, we're closing out this now 2018.
3: Yes. I love your t-shirt. You're definitely in the Christmas spirit early. What's your favorite memorable quote from a Christmas story? full. Oh, no, wait. No, you said Christmas story. I thought you said Christmas movie. <laughs> no, the, sto- the shirt the, from your T-shirt.
4: I thought you were going to say Christmas movie, so I went to Christmas vacation. Uh, yeah. Oh, gosh, I don't know. Uh, you know what? I'll tell you what my favorite scene is? It's not even a quote. It's with the kid when he gets so, it's, it's Ralphie's little brother when he gets comp- uh, all wrapped up in his winter clothes and he falls down on his back and he can't get up. <laughs> that's my favorite part when he's just laying there and he's going ah! that's my favorite part i
3: love it they they air that show like 24 hours a day during I,
4: christmas i'll tell you what and one another one popped into my head uh how about when the dad when he goes ooh for must be italian and it says he's, yes. he's fragile on the box he i says, want Fregile. the lamp i want there that lamp go. that's probably my favorite line yeah i will do some things to that lamp all right now keep it in the christmas spirit mikey No,
3: I said I'll do some things to that lamp, like fix it with crazy glue. And I'm just, you know, (laughs) because it broke. Hey, 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 hey. Uh, My favorite moment is... The little brother eating mashed potatoes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Just playing with his food like a real kid does. Meat loaf, double peak, loaf, peak loaf, meat loaf, double peak. <laughs> I did that stuff like every day of my life. Then I just like the moment where the kid's tongue is on the pole. Great and he goes, Yeah. Come <laughs> <"Tun-na." laughs> yeah. come I just that movie is great.
4: What do you want for Christmas, brother? You know, I'm, I don't want to I'll give you a cheesy answer, man. I just, you know, uh, I'm kind of a hippie on this stuff. Just kind of peace and love and kindness, man, is all I want. If I had to pick something tangible, I mean, I, you know, I'm so thankful for so much. Got a great, amazing family and everyone's, you know, happy and healthy. And so that's that's all I can, I can ask for. So, again, I hate to give you a cheesy answer, but if I had to pick something, I'd like a new camera. How about that? I want a, I want a new camera for the Murphs Fan Cave studio here so uh, I can broadcast this face for radio in, uh, in 4K. How about that?
3: 4K? Man, they're going to see my pimples.
4: <laughs> I don't want that. I don't How about that you, my man? What do you got going on, brother? What do you got going on? What do you want for Christmas?
3: A healthy future. I want a few more years on this planet Earth. I've seen too much death, destruction, uh, illnesses, too much violence going on. Uh, people losing their lives, their homes, everything. I just want it all to stop. And I want everybody to slow down and just realize every moment you wake up that you're alive. And that's another opportunity to have a blessed day.
4: Amen, dude. Hey I
3: should... man, I should be a preacher. Hey, man, I, I be can't like follow preacher.
4: that up, dude. That's I'm... well done, Mikey. Uh, So there it is. Murph, let them know where they can find you again, quickly, again. Please go to MurphsFanCave.com and look for us, YouTube.com slash MurphsFanCave. That's M-U-R-F-S fan cave you can find us all over the interwebs but most importantly because of mikey's influence and encouragement we have become big fans of the live stream so please subscribe to murph's fan cave that will get you raiders fan radio that will get you the audio version of mondays with mikey and murph and that will also get you the fan club blitz which is a phenomenal fan club show put on the guys from the new jersey chapter of the black hole that's youtube.com slash murph's fan cave
3: There it is, and I'd like to give a quick shout-out to everybody that supported our channels, both in agreement, whether it be through donations, kind words, forum talking, or whatever. We all love you. We appreciate you. I know this is a boring part of the show for many, but it's necessary because sometimes these are the only moments we have with our true listeners and fans to tell them we love you, we thank you, and we're blessed to have you, whether we communicate constantly or not. We see what you write, and we thank you, and we love you for it. Thanks for being a part of Mondays with Mikey and Murph. We'll see you on the season finale next week. And please let us know in the forum below some of your favorite moments that stand out from you from this entire season, and maybe we'll have some clips on next week's show. All right, Murph? All right. Let's hope that Murph sings. Only if we beat the Chiefs. Let's hope Murph raps. If we beat the chiefs, but if not, you'll have to wait till next season. All right, let's get out of here. Let's sing the same song. Everybody loves it and do your thumb dance. All right. Thumbs are locked and loaded, buddy. All right, here we go. And five, everybody do it with me. Get off your chairs and let's do it together. Let's have a good moment before the big Monday night football game for the city of Oakland. Here we go. Five, four, three, two. It's Mondays with Mikey and Murph. We talking Raiders and football dirt. Some dance because we are a new Raider talk show. It's like I'm driving. It's a good show. Let's go. It's Mondays with Mikey and Murph. Thank you all. We'll see you next week on the season finale. Who are you texting?
1: My therapist. You text with your therapist? Text, video chat, call? Yep.
2: That's why I got a new Honda during the Happy Honda Day sales event. They have a whole lineup of rugged, all-wheel drive SUVs, CRV, Pilot, Passport. But at the end of the day, I drove off in a new HRV with a bunch of safety features. And best of all, I got it on clearance. So don't just sit around knitting an ugly holiday sweater. See your local Honda dealer for Happy Honda Day's clearance pricing today.
6: Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
0: Driving plays a big part in driving the local economy. It helps us all get where we're going and creates good jobs close to home. At Synovus Energy, our refineries in Toledo and Lima are a reliable domestic source of gasoline, diesel, and jet fuel. Plus, more than 2,300 employees and contractors work for us here in Ohio. See how we're helping local communities move forward at synovus.com.